0: Welcome to Business Talk, Sister Gok. I'm Becca, and today's podcast episode title is "How to Make an Impact: Entrepreneur Style." This is part two in the series, and last week I promised that we would be talking to an entrepreneur who kind of has figured out a little bit more about what it, does it look like to work with people who have adverse childhood experiences. ACES, remember we introduced that last week, as well as understanding how to still be profitable as a business and support those people. So I'm going to introduce you to a guest that I have. And this episode recording style is probably going to be a lot more with comments because I think there's some really valuable things that Tim has to say, and I I don't want you to miss it. And they were hard for me to pick up, so I'm going to probably pause and gawk about them throughout the episode as well.
1: Uh, I'm Tim Van Seust. And I was the owner of a franchised QSR, um, quick service restaurant or fast food.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for being with me today, Tim. Uh, Can you give me a little bit of information about what you found working with employees at your restaurant?
1: Sure. So the term, the terminology you use is kind of foreign to me. I mean, um, you know, and I don't know when it was even invented, Um, but... Uh, Just in terms of how did I learn about it, it's just, I guess, uh, firsthand experience. So, you know, I was an involved, hands-on owner, um, did hiring, firing, uh, HR, the whole works in my role, worked alongside people as well. And in that process, you certainly get to know them. And so um, learning about their backgrounds and stuff, I I guess I kind of walked into it not knowing that I was getting into a situation where I was... um, slowly hiring and retaining people with adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. Again, they wouldn't necessarily use that terminology, but as you get to know people, you certainly uh, hear about um, the trauma that they've gone through. And, you know, it certainly was, was a learning curve for me to figure out how to work around that and work with that. And um, i honestly use it to the business's advantage uh, at the end.
0: Yeah, so tell me about that because I think that there's a lot of applicable tools and tips that other people can tangibly use that you've learned in that process.
1: Sure. So um, so in the QSR industry, turnover approaches like 150 percent. It's wow. you know an industry that's known for the worst of the worst for turnover. Um, And I was certainly experiencing that. And and oftentimes I think I see, yeah, I saw other owners going to the point where I'm just going to hire the best people I can, which were often high school kids, and you catch them on their way up. And those were great um, because you'd catch them on their way up and maybe you're employing a future doctor um, or lawyer or somebody that's going to accomplish much in life. And they were great, but they were very short term, very unavailable because they're usually um, what I would call winners in a sense already. You know, they're in sports, they're in uh, band, they're in other extracurriculars. They're focused on academics. And so you don't get them for long. They're great. They learn really quick, um, but they leave really quick too. And so what I started to latch onto was this idea of grabbing people who weren't used to winning. Um, Who had, uh, you know, were downtrodden in life, Um, certainly had negative experiences um, in the workforce, and maybe not in the workforce, maybe in a school setting. Um, And Mm -hmm. most people, and and working around whatever challenges they brought, having a lot of grace and patience, um, knowing that what was coming was going to be good, because once they found out in our system, of routines and utilized our training, even though it took them longer. Once they got there, they liked the feeling of winning because maybe this was the first time they got to feel successful. Um, and we gave them, uh, you know, clear boundaries, clear expectations, and clear ways to make additional money through incentive programs that, um, that helped guide them along the path of being successful. And that helped tremendously solve the issue of turnover for me Um, to where at the end, my average employee tenure was approaching four years. Wow. And that included a mix, right, of the high school kids that stayed for six months. So I had people with me that were, you know, with me for seven years. Um, Were they great at the beginning? No. Uh, but by the end, they were my most trusted and, uh, and uh, go-to employees.
0: So a key thing you said is that you had to have patience and grace for them in training. And how did that impact their ability to be successful? What did that look like as you worked with them?
1: Sure. So a um, little bit about my background to help give perspective of that, probably. I mean, I was, I was the fairly successful kid raised in a very stable um, and supportive home. And so coming into the workplace, um, you know, I, I, the idea of somebody not understanding, uh, delayed gratification, somebody not understanding, um, responsibility. These are foreign concepts to me, uh, because most of the people I had spent my life around were people who got those, uh, You know, it was uh, just part of uh, my upbringing. It was part of the people I surrounded myself. It was part of their upbringing. And so it's a foreign idea to to think um, that somebody needs coaching through uh, delayed gratification and somebody needs coaching through the responsibility of having a clean uniform and and showing up on time or a few minutes early um, to contribute to the success of the store. And so really it was a lot of individual conversations at the beginning about why they're important and a lot of relationship building. Eventually I learned that we could streamline that a little bit because everybody understands money. And so to give even a 15 or 16 year old an incentive plan to a lot of people sounds crazy, but they understand, most people understand money really well and, uh, to give extra money a little bit for a clean uniform became really worth it for me because it was a way of doing a quicker education on why that was important to, to their success and to the store's success and to to try to link those things together for them so that they felt like they were becoming part of a team. And so for a lot of people I've spoken to, they're like, why would you pay somebody extra to show up with their uniform on, like that should just be a basic thing. And I said, well, unfortunately it's not. And maybe, uh, a little bit of extra money will help us get there. So a lot of what I point to, uh, when we talk about this topic of working with people is helping them understand, uh, how the star success is tied to their success and vice versa. Um, and, Making a monetary link because we all have the ability, I think, to, to speak in money rather quickly because we've all even, you know, most people, regardless of their uh, of their childhood experiences, understand money.
0: So what did that tangibly look like in terms of the incentive structure that you laid out and how did people know what they needed to do in order to get a higher payout at each level of performance?
1: Yeah, very defined program. Uh, we used a points-based system. And so uh, you get points for certain behaviors. Um, and we start at the very basic of showing up on time. And you, you earn points if you show up on time and you lose points if you don't. Uh, if your uniform is clean and presented, you know, like, like our guidelines instruct, you gain points. If, if you don't, you lose points. So it's this positive negative system um, that's both rewarding and subtracting. Um, and those points that at the end of each pay cycle, every two weeks would translate to, uh, to dollars. And so we'd post the results and everybody would uh, be able to see uh, what their results were. Other things involved in the program were, uh, there were big point incentives for, you know, coming in on a day you weren't scheduled if a manager called and said, hey, we need help on a shift. There were negative point incentives for calling in or missing a shift. Um, And so this negative positive uh, um, translated to more dollars or cents per hour on your paycheck every two weeks. And Mm -hmm. what we, there's learned, you know, we certainly learned things along the way that things had to be counterbalanced um, around customer service versus speed of service. Um, and uh, we also eventually carried negative points forward again to reinforce the idea of delayed gratification um, and that there's long-term consequences for short-term decisions. And so if you decided to call in a bunch one week, it didn't just disappear on the following paycheck. Those negative points followed you and you had to dig yourself out of that hole. And for some people, that didn't work. Um but for others, they were able to process through that and we were able to guide them. And uh, they eventually understood, you know, I can't get myself in this hole anymore because uh, I do want to earn more money.
0: And you're just talking about the additional incentives outside of base pay that would carry forward, correct?
1: Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So it was never punitive in a, re- in a dollar sense. So, um, so let's say the person was their base wage was, you know, $10 per hour. They always got the $10 per hour for their hours worked. This was always side only. Um, and so when I say the negative points carried forward, it was just negative points, not negative dollars.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. So did you balance this for individual points versus team points to kind of make sure that both things were being successful in terms of how they were incentivized?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, so definitely a team-based sport in fast food restaurant, you need everybody to be playing together um, to, to be able to serve the customer successfully. And so uh, there were individual things, which is mostly what I've talked about so far, but uh, the other side of it were team-based metrics. And so in QSR, speed of service is a big thing. Everybody understands that when you, when you pull up to, uh, to a fast food restaurant, you're there for, uh, you know, probably a reason. And that's because you're in a hurry uh, you don't have time to go and sit down for a meal. And so uh, we want that experience to go quickly. And it's also a throughput issue. So if I'm able to put more cars through lane, it's a financial reward for me. It's a big financial win. And so speed of service was, was a big metric that we used. And then uh, obviously that's team-based. And then we balance that against uh, consumer complaints. So how many people were telling us that their experience was negative Uh, and so we're always, uh, trying to incrementally get better on speed of service and then incrementally decrease the number of, uh, negative customer experiences.
0: So overall business results, then how did that look as you transitioned from the old model to the way you were doing things now? Could you track what your profitability was or compare yourself to other people within the industry to know that this was changing for you?
1: Sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors obviously, but. I contribute a lot of the business's success to uh, the reduction of employee turnover, which I think working with, with traumatic backgrounds, um, not that I went out searching for those people, but oftentimes that's what we found in knowing how to, to kind of motivate and incentivize um, and have grace and patience with folks um, helped reduce the turnover issue, which then translated to better customer experience, um, which then translated to increased sales. And so we watched ourselves um, achieve really good success in the system uh, that we were in. So, uh, you know, we reached the mid-50s. Uh, so like we were 55th or something for sales in the entire system um, of, of like 5,000 stores Um, where we started, I mean, we are probably middle, middle of the pack and, you know, six years later we were, um, in the top 100, you know, we didn't do anything other than increase customer experience. Like we didn't remodel the building or, you know, come up with some great new products or anything. Um, and so I tie so much of the success to, to the people, um, that were working uh, in the store that were giving people a better experience. And, you know, if I look back, back at the, the people that we had um, were, you know, what a lot of people would say were a bunch of misfits. And we created that environment where they could succeed.
0: So I'm going to stop in the middle of this interview and I'm going to gawk and then we're going to pick it up next week because I think there's so much here that's super important to capture before we move on. So some key things that Tim is talking about that I think are really important for business owners to understand. So you have to first start thinking long term about investing your time and and what he said was know that what is coming is going to be good because you have to have grace and you have to have patience with the long term in mind in in your investing of your time and then he said really clearly have a structured environment with clear boundaries expectations and incentives and finally I thought this was key, was having results visible for everyone on how they're performing because it makes people feel that they're being fairly treated in in a way where a lot of people have not previously felt they had any hope being fairly treated is really important. So that, that aspect of helping people feel like they're a team and thinking bigger picture is hard for people to understand how they're business or the business success is tied to their personal success through monetary incentivization. And, and I do think this is something that is really missing in a lot of programs that Tim has figured out that long-term consequences happen for short-term decisions on those additional incentivizations. So don't miss that. I think that's key and they had to figure that out through trial and error. And, and I think that if you're going to be in a position to help people and employ people that want to win but maybe have not had those experiences before, that's key to helping them grow into learning how to make long-term decisions because instant gratification may be all they have ever known. And another thing that I wanted to point out that that Tim has done that he didn't even realize he was doing, and we've kind of talked about it in the past outside of podcasting as well, is that this system a highly structured environment with positive and negatives is actually very similar uh, point system that's used in residential treatment programs for helping people who have behavioral or any kind of like negative past childhood trauma experiences that are trying to grow in in their youth and into adulthood this is this is really important and key because structure is so valuable for people who have never had it before Everyone can feel as if they have the same opportunity to have success and see consequences and no one is treated unfairly. Now, the key part about this, too, that I think is so important that Tim did not cover today that I think is really a successful point is you have to have consistency and incentivization, meaning you have to consistently pay people when they perform you have to do it consistently because if you miss following through this is a big blow to trust because in the past other people haven't followed through for them and and this has caused a huge spiral of hopelessness and even losing it one time if you don't have any hey I, i recognize i missed this or whatever and i'm following up on it and making sure that you can keep that trust there through communication you can make this person easily spiral into hopelessness. And I have learned that a lot in that you you cannot have on the spot commitments to something and say, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this for you and then not follow through. So you really, really have to be consistent and honor your word with people who have had lost trust in the past. Because if you can't do that, it's just perpetuating this cycle of hopelessness that they feel they have no power over their own life. And I think those are key takeaways that I don't want to miss here. So in summary, though, in summary, I think it's really important to understand. They went from being in the middle, so let's say 2,500 of 5,000 stores, to 55th in a six-year time period. That is insane in terms of profitability of sales. And I don't want you to miss that. Because a lot of times when people talk about this concept, they're going to say, you're crazy, I don't want to do that work, or that seems like it's not going to be profitable. But TIM is a proven case study that it can be if you take the time to see beyond the short term. And and this is honestly another big big reality check for business owners to realize that the incentivization of long-term investment for you has to be far longer and far more filled with grace than you actually thought you would have to have if you really truly want to make an impact on people's lives and be successful as a business owner. So next week, I'm going to continue to pick this conversation up with Tim and probably pause a couple times to gawk about it. But I really hope that you join me in this series. This is part two. If you missed the first uh, with Hope Works and JC Elam, please go back and check it out. And if you're enjoying this series, you can give it a review on Spotify, and I will see you next week.